Today on Blue 58, the Packers have been on quite a journey this season, and today's matchup takes them back to a place they haven't been in quite a while. This weekend, the Packers are supposed to win. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, and I am happy to be with you here for another episode. Just a reminder before we get started, we are doing our annual fundraiser this year. This year, raising fund for Aaron Jones Foundation, the ANA All the Way Foundation. Details are in your show notes here and at thepowersweep.com. Also want to take a second and remind you about something I haven't been doing a good job of reminding you of this year. Our Patreon and Substack subscriptions. You can support The Power Sweep and Blue 58 by heading to patreon.com slash thepowersweep or thepowersweep.substack.com and becoming a member for any amount that you would like. On Patreon, on Substack, there is a fixed amount, just just how the platform works. But doing so will help you support us, keep us ad-free, and gives you an opportunity to get some bonus content and access to our Discord server where you can hang out with Packers fans from all over the world. So consider that this holiday season maybe a gift to yourself and a gift to the Power Sweep as well as you do it. Packers, Giants, Monday Night Football. I'd like to start our conversation today with a question, not from me, but from one of our regular Discord users. Hey, you know all about getting involved there. Uh, One of our users by the name of Janelle dropped this question in our chat this morning, and I thought it was a great way to kind of segue into what I want to talk about from the Packer perspective of this game. Janelle writes, I've gone into the last five games thinking the Packers are probably going to lose and that I just want to see a little improvement. They improved each week and went 4-1. and one. I'm not sure where my mindset should be for the Giants game. What do you think is the best way to approach this game? That is an interesting question, and I think it's one that we should spend some time thinking about as we look at where the Packers are heading into the final five games of the season. Because in some ways, the Packers have kind of accomplished most of their goal already for this year. They've gotten a good look at Jordan Love. They've seen both the good and the bad. I wrote about that in my picks column for this week. We kind of just are at the point where we just need to see what else Jordan Love can do. Can he be consistent or, you know, kind of which version of Jordan Love that we've seen this season is is going to carry out or win out the rest of the season? He's got five games to show. Is he more on the the really, really good side or more on, on the bad side of things? And, you know, there are mitigating factors on the bad side of things, but I think we all agree he's better now than he was at the at the start of the season. Packers also needed to integrate a bunch of their, their young guys into the offense and on defense for that matter, too. They had some young guys they were trying to get worked into the lineup and figure out where they were and all sorts of things like that before they start heading into the 2024 and 2025 seasons where they're going to have more cap space blah, blah, blah. You know the story from there. And for the most part, they've accomplished both of those goals. So they head into these final five games, having rallied over the past five weeks to get to six and six. Everything's in front of them. Winnable games each of the next five weeks of varying degrees of difficulty to be sure. But the Packers have done what they needed to do heading into this game. And now they can do something else. So what do you think about as you head into this game? What do you, how do you fix your mindset as, as a Packers fan? And that's, I think, a harder question than you might originally think it is. Maybe, for me at least. 
Because as you've looked at the Packers' wins over the past three weeks in particular, they've all been a little bit different, but they've all kind of built in the same direction. Packers beat the Chargers. Oh, that's pretty fun. Kind of an unexpected game. Chargers did a lot of things wrong in that one. Hey, we got a one against a team that maybe we weren't supposed to beat, but we did anyway. The Lions win. Okay, that feels pretty good. Nationally televised Thanksgiving game. Lions are pretty good. They're no juggernaut, though. We just we got them on a good day. You can explain away the win. The Chiefs win. Okay, the Packers start to seem for real here. Sure, the Chiefs aren't what they were maybe last year, maybe in the last few years. But they're still a really good team. They've got the consensus best player in the league, although maybe you could quibble about that this year. Tyreek Hill certainly seems like the most dangerous man on the football field, on any football field, on any given time. But I think you understand just the relative importance of a guy like Patrick Mahomes versus Tyreek Hill. Mahomes can change the game at any time, and I guess Hill can too. But he's one of the best, most important players in the league. How about we put it that way? And the Packers shut him down, beat the Chiefs, and have now won three straight and four of their last five. And then they have the Giants. And I think the Giants are a team that they should just beat. The Giants are not very good. We will talk about that in a second, some of the the individual features of the Giants. But the broad strokes are going to all point in that same direction. The The Giants are just not a very good football team this year. And when you are an improving football team... I don't even know if we go so far as to say the Packers are a good football team, you know, on a season-long basis. They've been good right now, an improving football team, an arrow-pointing-up football team, however you want to phrase it, a team playing good football right now. How about we land on that? The, Gi- the Giants are not playing good football right now. The Packers are, and that puts the Packers back in a situation where they have been the last few years the team that should win. And that's an interesting spot for this Packers to de- to be in because that's one of the phases that's kind of on the horizon for a young and improving team. And this is one of the Packers' first tastes of it. I don't know what you're going to end up calling this era of the Packers, the post-Rodgers era, the Jordan Love era. We call it the Jordan Love era for right now. Uh, but they're not the sort of team where ec- winning is the expectation each and every week. Looking back to the you know, 2020, 2021 Packers, you could say each and every week of the season, the expectation was that the Packers were going to win. And it's changed how we've watched the game, at least for me, this year, having that not be the case. Because back in 2020, back in 2021, the Packers didn't win every game, but it felt like they should, or at least they should win in a certain kind of way on top of that. And that puts a lot of different kind of stress on a team than just winning not necessarily being the expectation. But I think the way then that we have to approach this game is seeing what this Packers team does when they are in a situation for the first time where they're being treated like the team that's supposed to win. They should beat the Giants, and they should probably beat the Giants pretty handily because the Giants are just flat out not very good. I think when I made my picks earlier today, the line was like Packers by six and a half, which is an enormous line when the Packers are on the road. But that is just what Vegas thinks about the Giants right now. They just don't think they are very good. And the Packers have to show why that is the case. The Packers are now entering the phase of their team development where they're going to be expected to beat, and not just beat, but beat up on teams that are not as good as they are. They've got a chance this weekend 
to get a look at one of the first of those teams. So let's talk about what they're going to be up against. What are the Giants right now? Well, as I said before, in short, the Giants are not very good. They come in at 4-8. and eight. They are probably not even quite that good. They've got four losses this season by 21 points or more. They've got two losses by 30 points or more. The Dallas Cowboys in particular have really had the Giants number this year. They open up the season beating the Giants 40 to nothing, and then they come back in November, three weeks ago, November 12th, and the Cowboys beat the Giants 49 to 17. So 89 combined points <laughs> hung on you by one team over the course of two games. 89 to 17, the combined score of Giants-Cowboys this year. The Giants ending up on the wrong end both sides, both times. They are 2-2 two and two in games decided by 7 points or less, so it's not like they're just getting unusually unlucky in close games. They're, it's safe to call them a bad football team. They're playing a lot of bad football if they're not a bad football team. They're just sure are playing badly a whole lot of the time. Their head coach is Brian Dabble, who comes over from the, the Buffalo Bills last offseason. Well, two offseasons ago, I guess, technically now, depending how you want to count. Well, if you count it, it's two offseasons ago, so they're, they're, that's how you count it. Anyway... Uh, he came over kind of with the, the offensive mastermind kind of label uh, after having done some good things with, with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. He got some interesting attention last year for his unique construction of his staff. He hired a couple people and then basically had those core guys vote and suggest who else they wanted to fill out the staff. That's an interesting way to go about things and an interesting way to conduct a staff you know, development process in a league where Kind of the default way to do things is just hire guys that you like came up with or are friends with for other reasons or guys that you've worked with before, maybe on a different staff put together by someone else. He does have some interesting guys on his staff, his offensive and defensive coordinators most notably. The offensive coordinator is Mike Kafka or Kafka. Uh, He's 36 in his second year as the Giants offensive coordinator. Prior to that, he was with the Chiefs in a couple of different roles, all on the offensive side. He's also a former NFL quarterback, though a career backup. The defensive coordinator is Wink Martindale. He comes over to the Giants now in his second year as their defensive coordinator. Prior to that, he was with the Ravens for a decade, five of which, five years of which he spent as their defensive coordinator. So pretty solid names on both sides of the ball at the coordinator level. They just haven't gotten very good results this year, which is, I think, a good argument for how good coaching still has a hard time overcoming bad players. Speaking of bad or maybe underwhelming players, let's start with their quarterbacks. Usually it would be Daniel Jones. He's beat up right now, so it's going to be Tommy DeVito starting for the New York football giants this weekend. His fourth start in the NFL this Monday night The number one thing I think you need to know about DeVito is that he takes a ton of sacks. Usually that would be somewhat, have have someone baked in, or somewhat baked in hyperbole there. No, a ton of sacks for Mr. DeVito. His sack rate is 21%. 21% of his back, back drops end up in a sack. And a lot of that is on the quarterback, as we've talked about at length on this podcast over the years. Sacks are largely a quarterback sack or a quarterback stat. Tommy DeVito is racking up a ton of sacks this year. Of course, sacks are largely, maybe significantly, let's put it that way, significantly a quarterback stat. They are not exclusively a quarterback stat. Why do we know that that is? Well, just look at the New York Giants 
offensive line performance so far this year, and you will see exactly why. According to Pro Football Focus, the New York Giants are the 32nd ranked pass blocking team in the NFL. Ben Baldwin of The Athletic does a composite ranking, and they come in, well, at the very bottom again. To put in some perspective of how far down at the bottom they actually are, the Giants are ranked 32nd by Pro Football Focused. The 31st ranked team is closer to the 26th ranked team than the Giants are to the 31st ranked team. Unless you think that's an outlier, in the composite rankings, the Giants are also the bottom ranked team. And in that ranking, the difference between the Giants and the 30th ranked team is the same as the difference between the 30th ranked team and the 19th ranked team. The gap between the Giants and everybody else, suffice it to say, as far as pass blocking, is enormous. You've got basically everybody else in the league at some level, and then you've got the the New York Giants below that. And they are vulnerable just about everywhere you turn. We've made a habit on this podcast over the past couple years of trying to identify one place you might want to attack, There's really no point in calling out any particular weak spot on this New York Giants offensive line. There are opportunities to attack just about everywhere. I would look for Rashawn Gary to continue his his hot streak here and get to double-digit sacks for the first time in his career. He just needs one more, so let's see it on Monday Night Football. Their skill guys, as generously as possible, nobody is really having a terribly noteworthy year. For the, the New York Giants, Saquon Barkley is, is about as noteworthy as it gets on offense for them. He's averaging just 4.2 yards per carry. Their pass catchers are at least nominally somewhat interesting in terms of roster construction. You've got Darius Slayton, the longtime pro there, having a bit of a down year by his standards, 13.6 yards per catch, the second lowest figure of his career in that stat. Still leads the team in overall volume in receiving. We've also got Darren Waller, who should be of interest to Packers fan because he has been a longtime object of desire for general manager Brian Gutekunst. Was never able to seal that deal, bringing him to Green Bay. Waller is second on the team in yards, but averaging just 10.7 yards per catch. Not really a big downplay threat, at least in this version of the New York Giants offense. Then you've also got a pair of recent draft picks that I think are worth mentioning for their Admittedly, somewhat tenuous connections to the Green Bay Packers, but connections that are worth mentioning nonetheless. You've got Jalen Hyatt, whom the Packers had some heavy interest in prior to this spring's draft. Six feet tall, 185 pounds, averaging 19.4 yards per catch on 17 catches, has yet to score a touchdown for the Giants, though. He went 73rd overall in the draft this spring, five picks before Tucker Craft, and of course, after both Luke Musgrave and Jaden Reed. They've also picked up Wandale Robinson. He was a draft pick in the 2022 draft, 5'8", 185 pounds. He is of note because he's one of the five receivers taken between where the Packers actually took Christian Watson and where they could have picked him or or picked someone originally. So there's a list of receivers the Packers could have taken instead of Christian Watson, and Robinson is on that list. I don't think anybody was really forecasting him to Green Bay, in part, well, mainly because he's 5'8", and 185 pounds. Averaging 7.4 yards per catch this year on 36 catches as well, which is not great pretty much any way you slice it. So I don't think the Packers really have missed out on much not drafting Wandale Robinson. Switching over to defense, a few names you might want to be watching out for, uh, starting with Dexter Lawrence, a big-time defensive lineman. Of note because of how shaky sometimes this year the Packers' interior offensive line has been, but they also handled Chris Jones fairly well last week. 
Lawrence probably isn't quite there with Jones, but he's still pretty noteworthy. He's still an upper echelon defensive lineman in the NFL. He's got a pressure rate so far this season of about 16%, though only four sacks. His kind of opposite equal is edge rusher Kavion Thibodeau, one of the top draft picks in the 2022 NFL draft. He's got 11 sacks so far this year, and he's another good data point in our sacks versus pressures discussion. Because though he has 11 sacks, his pressure rate is significantly lower than Lawrence's at just about 9%. So not getting to the quarterback, not affecting the quarterback as often, but when he is getting there, he's having more of an impact than Lawrence's. Interesting to have kind of the the either-or within one defensive front. The back end of their defense is anchored by Xavier McKinney. Pretty solid safety play coverage grade of 87.1 so far this season, according to Pro Football Focus. Also worth mentioning, Isaiah Simmons, an athletic Marvel linebacker for the Cardinals, comes over, I think, via trade this offseason to the New York Giants, playing a much smaller role for the Giants, but playing pretty well, has improved his coverage skills, it seems, maybe just being used slightly differently by perhaps a more competent defensive coordinator in this system. But um, he is, I think, the maybe opposite example of what you want out of an elite linebacker as opposed to like a, a Quay Walker who's really kind of coming into his own over the course of this season. We've got to do another deep dive on on Walker here at some point because we we did a little bit of, of a team research project in the, the Power Sweeps Discord server, kind of looking at where his, his career has headed relative to a couple of other elite linebackers. It, as it turns out, and we'll just mention a couple of the, the data points that we found here, right about the 25th game in a guy's career seems to be where like your, your overall performance starts to level out and, and really start to improve. You, you start to start seeing less up and down variation in things like pro football focus grades and stuff like that. Just a couple of weeks ago, Walker passed the 25-game mark in his career, and he's been on an upswing just prior to that point, and basically since then, he's he's really he's really improved over the course of the season. I think there's a conservatively optimistic case to be made that Walker is really becoming the guy that he's supposed to be for the Green Bay Packers this year. Speaking of Walker, speaking of the Packers, what do we want to see from the Packers this week? For starters, I think we want to see if Jordan Love's hot streak continues. This is more of a curiosity point than than anything else, but obviously the Packers are always going to need and want their quarterback to play well. Can Jordan Love continue to play at the level that he's been? I don't see a whole lot of reason that he can't, considering that his other skill position players are, are starting to get a little bit healthier. You might have Dontavian Wicks back out on the on the field this year, or not this year, this week. Um, Luke Musgrave still probably a ways off if we see him at all again this year. Maybe not Christian Watson, but everybody else should probably be a little bit healthier. Jaden Reed played last game a little bit banged up as well. So the the pass catchers should be healthier than they were last week against a defense that may not be quite as, you know, as skilled as the Chiefs is. Perhaps he can continue his his hot streak, and maybe it's just primetime Jordan Love that we need to keep seeing. Nationally televised games, he plays well, so maybe we can go three in a row on the big national audience games getting a a good look at at Jordan Love. Then A.J. Dillon. I want to see how he continues to play. I the stats are never going to wow you, it seems, with A.J. Dillon. Maybe that's just where we are on his career. But his game last week against the Chiefs is about, I think, all you could ask for from a Packers back this year. The Packers have become a team that really wants to just get the ball out to their numerous speedy receivers on the outside. They've got a bunch of guys who can get open and 
you know, enough different targets that you have a hard time slowing down all of them at once, Dylan has just got to keep churning away and make sure the metronome of the offense stays bup, 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 just consistent. That's what the Packers have always needed him to be, and hopefully that's what he can continue to be heading into this week as the Packers, again, are going to be playing a, a fairly cold game. It's cold weather December, cold weather Dylan um, continued to, to play like we've seen him over the past month or so. On the flip side, on the other side of the ball, I want to see what Rashawn Gary can do in terms of righting a small historical wrong in um, in his still young NFL career. And I'm not really, I'm saying that pretty tongue in cheek here because he's having a wonderful season. There's no end of good things that you can say about Rashawn Gary, just who he is as a player, who he is as a person. And yet he has one small gap in his statistical resume. And we have to go back to last season to talk about it because last season, Rashawn Gary started the year on a remarkable hot streak, had seven sacks in his first six games, except he was held basically completely in check against the New York Giants. No sacks, no quarterback hits, and that's the only game out of the first six of the season, or maybe out of the first seven of the season, where he did not get to the quarterback. He should have plenty of opportunities to do that this week. Let's see if he can get you know back on track against the Giants. Not that he's really been off track lately, but let's see if he can make up for last year when the Packers, kind of as a team, had a pretty underwhelming performance in London. He needs to, maybe he gets two for us this week just to say, okay, we missed out on one last year. Let's get two for just to make it sure, hey, let's make it three just to be solid here. I I don't have any problem with that. In the secondary, we've got a big question mark this week because Eric Stokes is back, sort of, from injured reserve. It looks like he is trending towards maybe being available on Monday night. There is like five qualifiers in that sentence. He's trending towards maybe playing on Monday night after having been on injured reserve for, what was it, more than a month now after coming off injured reserve and playing a grand total of four snaps. Can he get onto the field at all this week? And if he does, does he actually play on defense? And if he does play on defense, what's his role in the secondary? Is he the Packers' third outside corner at this point between Carrington Valentine and Corey Valentine playing pretty solid lately? it'd be hard to take snaps away from them so Eric Stokes can get on the field. Stokes has a long way to go to get back to where he was during his solid 2021 rookie campaign. Maybe that starts this week. And then finally, the last thing I want to take a look at is the Packers' timeshare on the offensive line. How do things go with Yash Nyman and Rasheed Walker? When do they switch spots? And and for that that matter, when do uh, John Runyon and Sean Ryan switch spots? And do either or all of them have trouble with the the two pass rushers we noted up front for the New York Giants. Those are my questions. Those are the things that I want to see. And that's kind of where I am heading into this game, expecting, I guess, the Packers to win. I want to be careful, though, that we don't fall into something that I felt like I struggled with a lot late in the Aaron Rodgers era. It got to be and it shouldn't ever be this way, but it got to be almost stressful to watch Packers game because there was that expectation of winning all the time. You expected the Packers to win, so when they didn't, it felt like a big disappointment and even could feel like a disappointment when they won but didn't play particularly well. There was a lot of that like in the 2021 season. A lot of games where the Packers 
got a win, but things were disjointed and difficult, and it was just a tough kind of afternoon. And you walk out of that game saying, yeah, we won, but we've got a lot of questions, or we don't feel like we learned anything. I don't ever want to get to that point, or at least I want that point to be far away for the, let's just call it the Jordan Love era Packers at this point. I hope we don't get to the point that we are so ready for this team to be winning all the time that we're starting to maybe not even appreciate Packers wins as much as we should. Because heading into a game where the Packers should win, I just don't want to be disappointed for anything other than a loss. And I want to, I always want to encourage myself to be less disappointed in a loss because it's not like there was anything I could have ever done about it anyway. Yeah, it's disappointing. You want the Packers to win all the time, but I think maybe just part of being a healthier Packers fan, in addition to being a smart one, if we can even call ourselves smart Packers fans, is just having the proper perspective on wins and losses, even in a game the Packers should probably win. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I'd appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers. I'd also love it if you would take a second and uh, support the ANA All the Way Foundation, Aaron Jones Foundation, uh, however you can, whatever amount you feel is appropriate. Let me know about it. Send me a screenshot of your donation to the Powersweep1959 at gmail.com because he's a worthwhile guy to support. If we can do a little extra for his charity at this time of year, I think it's a fun project for us to work on together. In any case, get out there and keep trying to be smarter Packers fans because, as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.